0: World Podcast Number Three Fifty Eight for Wednesday, June Fifth, Two Thousand Thirteen. Hi, everyone. This is Philip Michaels. We're here just a few days away from the Worldwide Developers Conference, so let's talk about what you can expect to see and hear and read about next week with a panel of MacWorld luminaries. It's Dan Moran. Everybody, hi, Phil. Hi, Dan Morin.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks.
0: You know what's better than just one Dan? Two Dans, which is why we have Dan Frakes. Hi, Dan Frakes. Hello, Phil. And uh, you know what's better than two Dans? A Serenity. It's
1: Serenity (laughs) Caldwell. Hi Phil. This is the worst introduction that, ever, but that, we're going to The g- official <laughs> exchange rate is 2 Dans to 1 Serenity. Exactly.
0: I'm glad
2: I know that now.
1: Exactly.
0: Um and and now two serenities. No, wait, no, we don't have another Whoa. serenity on staff. There's is only one serenity. Where? I must Yes. Been.
1: <laughs> I thought you would form a club. <laughs> nope, that's not yeah. how only the fittest survive.
0: It, uh, anyhow, and just one fill. But, uh, and there's only one WWDC, and it's next week. And um, I think we should uh, start off by talking about the thing that um, all our uh, listeners are probably interested in, and that is, of course, cha- potential changes to the AppKit and core animation uh, frameworks and how that will affect application development. No, we're going to talk about products. That's we're going to talk about products. Apple has gone practically all of 2013 without releasing a product, save for that that an iPad capacity bump here or there, and I think people are uh, waiting to see what new uh, gizmos and gadgets come out of cupertino Dan Morin, can we expect any products at WWDC typically not a show aimed at
1: consumers I think they're gonna they're gonna break the mold and just not announce anything this year five thousand developers in a room and then just it- sorry. Tim
0: Cook Tim Cook walks onto stage and stares silently and wordlessly at them for an hour and then, and just then counts and then his leaves. money slowly. Mm.
1: Um, I think the the two things that we're likely to see highlighted at this show are are probably software products um, because this is traditionally obviously a big point for for vendors. So things like iOS and OS 10 um, and talking about those new technologies to get developers revved up about building products. Uh, iOS and OS 10 updates seem the most likely. Uh, products that we're going to hear about. Um, in terms of other, you know, like Mac hardware, I think is another good, uh, another good area that that's likely to come up. Um, the MacBook. Uh, there's been some rumors about MacBook refreshes with some of the new chips that Intel is announcing. Um, and of course, the big question I think in a lot of people's minds is the Mac Pro. Is it completely dead? I mean, uh, we had that fun email from Tim Cook a couple of years ago now, where he said coming it, in, it, was la- last it was last year, year? Oh, yeah it, was it seems right like after, a lot longer it does seem like a lot longer it was right
0: after last year's keynote and someone apparently wrote to to Apple and said hey what about the Mac Pro you haven't updated it in in a thousand years and and Tim Cook said oh you w-
1: w- wait you yeah we've got something in in store i think he said and it, it's unclear what, right, right now whether that means a, a refresh the existing Mac Pro, or perhaps an entirely new rethinking of what a professional-level Mac is in this day and age when so many people have transferred to laptops and so many people have started using iPads for a lot of stuff. It's a question of what does the Mac Pro look like in the modern-day PC lineup? So I think that's that's something, especially a developer crowd, which tends to really like powerful machines for building software because it really speeds up the process. I think they're going to be really interested to hear about some of those, um, and less likely perhaps some of the consumer products like uh, you know iPhones and iPads, not quite as likely for next week. It's possible they've announced iPhones at WWDC in the past, but in the last year we shifted to more of a fall release schedule for Apple's consumer products. So I think Apple's probably going to continue with that because it lets them do a nice job of setting up their consumer-facing products for the holiday-buying season rather than releasing them in the summer. And I, for one, am fine with that because having waited in many lines for iPhones in the hot, hot summer sun, if they want to shift that back to the fall, that's fine by me. Dan Frakes, you, you
0: have a thought or two about Mac Towers over the years. Uh, is there anything that you uh any thoughts that you have on the on a potential mac pro uh update or even replacement
3: yeah Apple should release one <laughs> <laughs> that 's a good thought <laughs> that is my you, you my, cannot get insight like thought. that at any
0: other at any other website ladies and gentlemen
3: um, no, you know i've i 've as you know phil i 've written about this at length in terms of what I hope they release uh, and let let me put it this way i'm not sure that what i hope they release is what a lot of developers hope they release uh, and that is that <clears throat> there's still a core of developers who really want the traditional mac pro they really want some big hulking box that's super powerful that they can keep for like 10 years and just keep upgrading on the inside and uh, you know that will heat their office in the winter time uh, i'm and a lot of other developers and a lot of non-developers are looking for something that's a little more expandable than a Mac Mini or an iMac, but that is still pretty powerful, can be upgraded a little bit, and um, is a little less expensive. And you know, I have to say, I've been having this pipe dream of this machine for years now, but given Apple's recent uh, trends in their hardware, I would not be surprised if this is the year they do something like that. Um, but partly because of, you know, they've just, they've really embraced this whole thing with SSDs, no optical drives, expansion through Thunderbolt, um, all the things that are exact opposite of a traditional Mac Pro. Big, you know, multi-hard drives, multiple optical drives, um, PC uh, card expansion. And so I would not be surprised if Apple were to come out with something that was less traditional expandable and more um, just power efficient, smaller but still pretty powerful, and then to go on, on stage and say, and this is why you, you don't really need PCI cards. Don't worry about it. We've got it covered. Um, I, I could see that happening. I'm not going to put money on it, but that's I could definitely see them up on stage doing that.
0: In terms of the, um, the MacBook... Uh, ooh, magic. In terms of the MacBook... <laughs> replacements uh, or updates what w- w- what would be an overview of what we could expect there obviously uh, uh, dan morin alluded to the the haswell processors that intel uh just this week is uh is promoting over over in uh, taipei at the computex trade show uh what what kind of developments can we expect there
1: i, I think that you know processor bumps are the most likely this is not going to be There's not going to be a a situation necessarily, I think, where we see a huge release of a, you know, radically overhauled machine. Uh, It's possible, but it seems much more likely that what we're going to get is an incremental update, a speed bump in terms of processors, maybe some more RAM. Um, The big question I think that remains is what is – we've started to see the transition for Apple's laptops into retina displays with the 15-inch and 13-inch MacBook Pros. I think there's a question of whether or not the MacBook Airs will follow in that in their footsteps. Um, and if so, whether that would happen now or whether it's something that's a little more down the road. Right now, they're, they're sort of the, they've replaced the old just vanilla MacBook as the entry level uh, portable for Apple's lineup. Uh, so adding a retina display would certainly bump the price up a little bit and it would take a hit on battery power and that kind of stuff. So I, I think, Maybe not right now, um, even though that is something that that could appeal to a developer environment. I I think it's less likely. I think mostly we're going to see processor and RAM upgrade.
3: You know, I I, I agree with Dan on the MacBook Air. The one thing that I think, speaking of retina displays, that is the even bigger question is that, is Apple finally going to release a desktop display with a retina resolution? Uh, A lot of developers have been asking for that for years, people who are Mac Pro users, or might get whatever new Mac Pro might come out. Uh, you know, developers—they a lot of them have actually said, "I I do all my development work on a desktop Mac, but I can't do Retina Mac software on that Mac because someone might be using a MacBook Pro that has twice the resolution of what I've got. So I've actually have to have a Retina MacBook Pro just to be able to test my software. And uh, so I think there's a lot of demand among sort of power users and developers for a Retina desktop display.
2: Well, it certainly would make sense to go along with a purported new Mac Pro. But the question there would be, how big would that display be? I mean, Apple's pretty heavily cemented itself into the 27-inch you know, cinema display realm. If they try and shoot for a 27-inch Retina display, uh, that's quite a few pixels horizontally. I can't do the math in my head, um, but it's <laughs> definitely, it is a lot, number one. Number two, uh, it. They may not have uh, the supplier power to make those in any great uh, capacity without the price being incredibly expensive. So it's, I mean, granted, the Mac Pro is supposed to be a, you know, a pro machine. And if they market it as that, I bet they could probably get away with releasing a retina display. But the question is, you know, whether will they release a 27-inch display? Will it be closer to, you know, will they they sacrifice size uh, for the retina?
0: I seem to recall, and um, the vast listening audience can correct me if I'm wrong, but Apple has uh, launched displays at WWDC before. So this isn't this is outside of the realm of, of possibility. Um, and, of course, we're all looking forward to that Retina Display Mac Mini. But um, <laughs> let, let's go around. Dan Morin alluded to stuff that we likely won't see. We, we're all in agreement that probably not a new iPhone.
1: It seems unlikely. I mean, it's it's been less than a year since the iPhone 5 came out. I don't think they're in dire need of updating it right now. And I think uh, they're more likely to... They might rejigger some of the low end of, of the lineup and say, you know what do we have available in terms of like older generations of phones because you know right now they're still selling the iphone 4s um and the iphone 4 so we might see some changes on the low end and there's been a lot of rumors about low-end iphones but by and large i'm not sure that this is the right place to introduce that certainly from a consumer perspective the the counter argument is You know, these are the guys who build the apps or the phones. So if you want to get them jazzed about doing something new, you can show them, well, here's this new thing to develop for. But it doesn't seem to me like this is going to be uh, where we see that kind of announcement.
2: Apple traditionally hasn't been one to play its cards ahead of time, so I don't think they're going to show hardware that they're going to release in the fall just to get developers jazzed. They've never done that before. Uh, And they, I mean, they moved the iPhone release to fall specifically so that they could take advantage of the winter market and the holidays and get people jazzed about, you know, getting more iPhones in the quarter where they traditionally sell the most iPhones uh, rather than having people decide, oh, well, maybe I should wait because the summer is really not that far away. Uh, so it really doesn't make sense for them to show any iPhone or even iPad hardware at this point.
3: Yeah, and Apple has been, over the last few years, steadily attempting to wean people off the idea that WWDC is a new hardware show, right? A, new, a showcase for new gear, unless that gear is directly related to developers, hence the, the Mac Pro, the, um, the MacBook Pro. Uh, and so it's been, what, three years or so since they've actually announced a new iPhone at WWDC. Is that right, Dan or Serendi? Uh,
1: I think it's, it's only
3: two. Two or three? Yeah. The Yeah. Four I think. Right. And they haven't announced other hardware at WWDC for a while now. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that if they do talk about hardware, it's going to be stuff that is focused on the developers and the pro market.
0: So no iPhone, no iPad, no watch? No Apple Watch?
1: That, Tim I, Cook
0: walks on stage and goes, oh, let me check the time. Oh, what's this on my wrist? And, the, and the, <laughs> the audience goes crazy. It would be a big moment.
2: It would be an interesting thing to see at WWDC, and certainly from a developer perspective, uh, it would be cool because obviously developers would have to develop for it. But I really I don't see it happening this year. I think Apple has too many balls in the air right now um to launch a new product especially to launch a new product um that's had nothing but buzz and nothing you know you at at the very least they would have to say something along the lines of Google glass where it would be oh yeah we have this prototype developers develop for it and then it'll be launched officially in the fall um but i think that's i feel like that's still at least six months a year away I really don't think they would do
1: I, it. I think traditionally, uh, as is the case with a new product category, I think it's likely to be introduced for the consumer audience first rather than the developer audience. I don't think a new product category is something that they're looking to introduce primarily towards developers. And this is still a developer-focused show. Uh, I think, again, you'll see that likely, you know, more towards a holiday season. And I agree with Ren that I think next year is more likely. Um One of the potential wildcards could be um, the Apple TV set-top box, which we've seen a lot about. Um, It's possible. There's been rumors for years about developers being able to write apps for that. Um, possible we could see something about that I personally I don't think it's super likely because it seems very much that that has remained a curated space for Apple they're gonna go out and find the partners they want to work with people like Hulu and Netflix and The Wall Street Journal and they're gonna you know curate the content that we see there um, we have heard rumors or rumors CW the CW has stated that they are gonna have you know sort of an app on the front of the Apple TV um, sometime soon it's possible they could get an announcement but I, I don't think Apple is quite ready to turn the Apple TV into the wild west of app development yet.
0: It would certainly be in line with the um with the iPhone playbook, which Apple introduced and in sort of, hey, we build all the apps and we build the OS and it's it's a closed shop and then a year or so later they right down the road they open it up to after they tell it.
1: everybody that web apps are the way to go yeah well
0: the less said about that the better so you're not expecting Tim Cook to go hey I wonder what's on TV tonight oh what's that behind me it's a new Apple television set that, that I control
1: with my watch
0: Which that I control <laughs> with my watch that, again another big moment I'm giving you great ideas Tim Cook uh,
2: <laughs> if only he were listening No, I really do think he that is listening. Probably save those How dare you. in his heart <laughs> Okay. Um yeah, those those kind of announcements make much more sense to be announced at a consumer focused event, which Apple, I mean Apple hasn't thrown any consumer focused events so far this year, which hints that they're really focusing on what they're working on for WWDC, so we may see some more consumer events later in this year or in early 2014. Tim Cook did hint on uh, on his call with investors, I believe the last the, the most recent financial results he that mentioned that Apple April. had big things to yeah, big things to show in fall of 2013 and all throughout 2014. So it, it really does sound like 2014 may be the uh, the year for new product categories.
0: We've uh, Dan Morin mentioned it at the the, the, the outset uh, and it's hardly a state secret that Apple, generally uses WWDC to preview the next versions of iOS and macOS, or just, I guess, OS 10 now. Um, let's talk about iOS. Uh, it would be 7 at this point, wouldn't it? Uh, Ren, what uh, are you expecting to see on the iOS uh, 7 front?
2: I do think we'll see a basic simplification of the operating – in terms of the look of the operating system on iOS and quite likely on OS X as well. Uh, I would like to see some of the major apps uh, get a little bit of a redesign. Um, Mail has gotten some very nice, slow refinements over the years, and I'd really like to see – a sort of innovative new tackle on that, especially given what uh, Google's been doing with the Gmail for iOS app and what apple and what third party developers have been doing on the app store with mail programs. Uh, I'd like to see messages maybe get a little bit of an overhaul and maybe a little less bubbly, a little more functional um, i yeah I, I the the design interface I think is one of the the biggest the biggest overhauls we'll see in iOS seven. In addition to that, there have been rumors about Airdrop, uh, which is the peer to peer, not peer to peer, uh, Wi Fi, local Wi Fi sharing uh, that was introduced in OS X Lion, I believe. Was it introduced in Lion or Mountain Lion?
0: I think it was Lion. Lion, yeah. Yeah, it seems (laughs) liony.
2: Yes, Airdrop. Um, So there's been talk that you may be able to airdrop files and photos um, directly from your iPhone to your Mac kind of like what uh, Photostream does now, uh, except it would be only over a local network and it could potentially be other files, which leads to questions about, oh, well, might iOS be, you know, getting greater integration with iCloud and maybe some sort of Dropbox-like file system without going too much into file system territory? There are lots of rumors and thoughts kind of sparkling out there. I would the The big things I would really like to see, though, are some... Some overhauls of each of the major apps.
0: Dan Frakes.
3: Two things. Two things that I would like to see, and that I think there's a good chance we'll see, relate to openness of the OS. Uh, uh, Tim Cook has mentioned in a couple interviews, including the one at D11 last week, I think it was, that Apple is leaning towards being a little more open with things, and the context for that was uh, Apple allowing for one people to or developers to. Um, hook into things like Siri so that you can actually issue Siri commands to other apps rather than just the things the OS itself can handle. Uh, I know I'd like to see that, and I've heard from a lot of users who would love to see something like that because they use Siri for a lot of things, but there's a lot of things they won't do. Uh, And the second one is for users to be able to... Choose default apps for things like your web browser or your email client, so that, say, if I if I tap a link in in an app to to send an email, it'll open my email of excuse me, it will open my email app of choice instead of the stock mail app, or open your favorite browser rather than just Safari. So I think those are two things that the Apple of three or four years ago might not have done, but that the Apple of today just might do.
0: How about on the OS ten front? What uh wh- what business does Apple have on, on, on that end of things? Lately there's been a lot of uh, uh uh swapping back and forth of features between the two operating systems, uh Ren alluded to Airdrop of course. Uh, what uh what could Apple have up its sleeve for um for its older, more established desktop app? And what cat will it be named after? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh i'm hoping they call this one mac os 10.9 chairman meow i think that's a good that's a good name mm. <clears throat> i i it is a little trickier because os 10 is obviously much more mature than its than its ios counterpart as, as phil mentioned um so in some ways they've kind of eliminated a lot of the low-hanging fruit um i think there are still some obviously there are improvements to be made one of my particular uh, little pet peeves is if you have multiple monitors and you you tr- bring one of those apps into that nice full screen mode that they introduced in Lion, your other monitor is completely useless. There is nothing on it. It's just a it is a lovely shade of linen. Um, so there there are some things that that lean a little t- more towards the power users. And again, this is a developer focus audience. So th- there's something in that um, that power users could be could be doing. Um, there's a lot of people have have wanted to see some sort of revamp of the Finder. Um, I don't spend that much time in the Finder anymore, so I feel like in some ways that might be focusing on an area that is not as crucial as it once was. Um, there are certainly improvements that could be made there, but I think in some ways, you know. Uh, if you look at ios in the direction that apple's been heading with its file system and treatment of files the finder seems very much like the metaphor that we were all dealing with 10 years ago whereas ios seems to be the way they're pushing it in currently now that's not always a a good thing necessarily but it does seem to be their modus operandi um so along those lines i think it would be nice to see apple take a more pro-leaning look at at uh, OS 10, especially as more people shift to iOS, there's I think more power users. Like the sort of the concentration of power users on OS 10 grows, um, but at the same time, it seems like there's a very much a a simplification and ease of use and parity between iOS and OS 10 that we're we're seeing in Apple's uh, strategy so far.
0: But Anyone else have... I, I will add an iOS Continue. thing that I,
1: that I didn't mention before, which is okay, I, think okay. we, I think we missed the, one of the elephants in the room, which is they really need to overhaul maps. Like they need to come out, Tim Cook needs to come out on stage and say, look, this is what we've done. We've deployed, you know, hundreds of people to different countries to get map data that's accurate, that can be trusted. We're making deals with these providers to bring you more and more data. We've made these improvements. You know, we're really, really focused on on revamping apps and bringing it to a level where it truly is competitive competitive with Google maps. Cause the last word we've had from them on that subject is basically like, yeah, we kind of screwed up on maps and dropped the ball. You should go use these other map apps if you're not happy with Apple maps. And I, that seems kind of an untenable place for them to leave it. Um, I, I would think that they have to mount some sort of offensive to prove that Apple maps, isn't just a punchline, which it's kind of devolved into over the past year. Um, And I think from a strategic standpoint, the perception of it has been really, really bad. And while they've done that good first part of sort of apologizing and saying we're going to work to fix this, they've yet to show off exactly what they're fixing. Um, And along those lines... I think some improvements to Siri uh, and voice search are, are going to be really important as well, especially as we've seen Google really focus on that kind of capability recently in their Google I.O. conference and now rolling out voice search, uh, this conversational voice search they've been doing on iOS and OS 10 in the Chrome browser. So there's, there's a lot of work cut out for Apple there, which has... You know to a certain extent, since they've got these year-long refresh cycles, there's time for Google and other competitors to come in and say, "Here's what we're doing the sleep what Apple was doing last year, so it's time for Apple to move that bar forward a little bit more
3: yeah you know i I'll, I'll agree with dan there on the on the voice thing. I think that is a huge area of opportunity for Apple and an area that they really are feeling pressured now to to uh, become more serious in, because so many of the things we do now could be done using voice or could be done better using voice. And I think that's really the direction that um, that a lot of computing is going is just where you don't have to type all the time, right? Where you can just press a button or hold a phone up, tell your phone or your tablet or your computer to do something and have it do some, do that thing. So I think that integrating that kind of functionality into more of the apps is going to be a big area of focus for Apple in the years to come. I just I hope it's starting this year, but we'll see.
0: So what I see happening is people file in to Moscone West for the keynote, and Tim Cook is already on stage. And he says, oh, I used Apple Maps to get here much quicker than the rest of you because we've improved it so much. And, oh, what's this on my wrist? It's a new watch. <laughs> Keep going back to that. He's a, he's a
1: kidder, that Tim Cook. He, he's, he, when it's I that think southern of Tim, charm.
0: When I think of Tim Cook, I think wacky. And I think, uh, uh, you know, unconventional. I think –
1: this is Tim. (laughs) Uh,
0: Dan Morin brought up a good point. Uh, Dan Frakes brought up several good points as well. (laughs) But I want to focus on this point from Dan Morin um, about – uh, other people, Google in particular, sort of leapfrogging Apple. Is there anything that other companies have done in the past uh, year since the last uh, Worldwide Developers Conference that is uh, calling out either for a response from Apple or for Apple to say, oh, you've moved the, the bar here, but we're going to move the bar farther ahead? And uh, I'll I'll throw that out there to to my three panelists.
2: I think um, the Google Now integration that Google's been playing with, primarily for the Android operating system and then more recently inside the Google app for people who have it, is really intriguing and builds upon some of the things that Siri can do now and Google's wide-reaching ability to know what's going on in your life based on reading your emails, which is a little creepy. But uh, that the creepiness aside, I think that Apple has enough data about its user that it could put together something remarkably more polished than Google Now. Right now, Google Now is kind of a cool experiment, but it doesn't seem to grab everything about uh, what, like, Google Now can theoretically grab, like, oh, your route to the airport because it knows you have plane flight coming up based on, you know, a plane ticket summary in your email box. I think Apple could maybe do that a little bit more elegantly, could incorporate it with Passbook. It would be interesting to see, you know, sort of those two things building together. Um, In addition, I know people have been talking a lot about some of the Windows 8 uh, features, especially Windows 8 social features and... um, and some of its apps that people are sort of intrigued about, like, well, maybe Apple could take a, a new and refined spin on something like the social feature or a social graph or, you know, something along those lines.
0: We've talked about some some rumors we've heard. One of the ones that's been circulating this week is uh, iRadio, which uh, would be Apple's uh Apple's attempt at uh, a streaming music service a la Pandora. Um, the report is that Apple has allegedly uh, completed a deal with uh, with Warner Brothers, uh, the, their music arm, and just has to get Sony on board, and then it'll have... Uh, all the partnerships it needs, and some people are even suggesting that you could see an uh, iRadio thing announced at Worldwide Developers Conference. That would seem not
1: keeping in line with the uh, developer focus, though, wouldn't it, uh, Dan Morin? Well, it's also, timeline-wise, it's a little strange, considering they're just finalizing deals now, and they're still lacking. So Sony has two arms um and like four legs and i don't really know what else but so so sony has two different branches one of which is deals with its actual like music it's says music label and the other one which i think deals with songwriting um and they're actually two distinct business entities and it hasn't struck deals with either of those but it does have deals with universal and warner brothers as you mentioned so i don't think this is necessarily going to be a situation where they want to come out and say we're launching with like half the music <laughs> um I, And given that it is a developer-focused event, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of real hooks there for developers to do things with, um, that seems very much like an Apple-contained service that is going to be something that they sell to consumers, and there's not really going to be a lot of opportunity for developers to to use that for their own needs. Um, I think it's less likely, and we've really traditionally seen media, and especially music stuff, in the fall from Apple. so. I would not be convinced that we'd see something like a, a streaming service from them at WWDC. I do think it's likely based on all the chatter that we've heard and the fact that it just seems like an opportunity for them to move into and play against Google and Spotify and Pandora. Um, but I don't think that we will see that next week. You know, uh, we'll, Oh, go ahead, Fritz.
3: I was just going to say, I generally agree with Dan about the timeline. On the other hand, to play devil's advocate, the... Uh,
1: you and that devil!
3: Yeah, the there, there's the. Ask, I mean, Apple has in the past said, "Hey, we've got this new service. We don't have all the stuff on it yet, but here are the first three companies that are giving us stuff, and we'll get the rest." Um, I think I remember that with movies, with TV shows, with iTunes Store. So they have a, they have done it. Uh, and the other thing I would say is just that, two things. One is that, you know, Google just released their streaming service. A number of the other services, streaming media services, have announced big updates recently. Uh, there is kind of a time pressure for Apple to sort of get in on this market. Uh, and who knows? They might want to say, okay, we've got to give one consumer thing this week just so that all the crazy media people don't come away saying, ah, there was nothing for consumers, which you know is going to happen if Apple really focuses on just developer stuff. So, I mean, I could see Apple looking at that and saying, oh, let's let's do it. But um I would lean towards no, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was yes.
0: Yeah, if I could, if I could just jump in there, devil's advocate, I would point out that um, I've never known Apple to do anything anticipating what the what the headline response is going to be. I, I don't think that enters into their calculus.
1: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think get a the, new
0: advocate, the, devil.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, sorry that that devil is just he can't find good help anymore. Sorry no. To
0: um you guys spend a lot of time talking to uh uh developers what are sort of their hopes and dreams and ambitions for what Apple is doing next week <laughs> what's the what's the word on the street? be the huggy bear of the developer community
1: <laughs> sources tell this reporter. And, yeah and
0: and uh and give us the four one one
1: that's a that's a lot of metaphor right there it I, is, I, gotta, sort it is I,
0: it. I, I sort of lost sight of that about eight metaphors I, I ago, will tell so. you
1: what the one thing overwhelmingly uh, from developers is fix iCloud. There have been a lot of complaints about iCloud, specifically about the way that, and this, I'll try to avoid getting too technical, but the way that they've architected what is called the core data syncing, which is to say, if you have a database of information in your app and you want to sync it over iCloud to an app, your app on the Mac or app on another iOS device, that system sounds like it's fairly fundamentally broken Uh, and based on conversations I've had with developers it's not something that is necessarily it's something that is doable technologically but the way that the system is currently built is just problematic and they kind of need to it sounds like scrap it and rebuild it Um, and that's caused a lot of problems because while we've seen while we have this sort of image of iCloud as being this one monolithic thing even it's it's really all these different services and even when it comes down to data syncing you've got these multi like three different services depending on what kind of data you're storing so the information like when you open pages and you see all the files you've stored in iCloud that's, you know, syncing documents back and forth. But that's a totally different system in some ways from syncing, like, databases of information, like if you're using Yojimbo or or something like that where it actually uses a database of information rather than, like, documents-based. That's a totally different system. So a lot of developers are really unhappy with, with iCloud data syncing, and it's kind of a black box. You sort of put things in. You don't know exactly what's going to come out the other side. Um, we've seen a lot of developers... Who are building their own systems to try and avoid this or relying on third-party systems like Dropbox but I'm thinking of particularly uh, the Omni group which recently announced that they were going to do their own document sort of syncing, data syncing service for their apps and that they might let other apps hook into it at some point um, by providing it as an API. So I think that's to my mind, that seems to be the number one thing on a lot of developers' mind is cloud services are increasingly important for apps. People have multiple devices and expect their information to sort of follow them around. And we need a system that actually works and that we can use in our apps.
2: Yeah. Ryan, what
0: have you, what have you been hearing?
2: Well, definitely a lot about iCloud and... The relative ways in which it could be improved. Um, I know some developers are also hoping for some improvements to Xcode, um, specifically in terms of interoperability between iOS and OS X apps, people who are trying to maybe port some of their iOS code, making that a little bit easier. Um, we did see some improvements, some Sudden improvements to Bug Reporter, uh, which is the developer tool for for reporting radars and things like that. So some developers are pointing at that and saying, "Hmm, maybe maybe that that implies more of a greater expansion on developer tools." Um, so we may we may well see an Xcode you know 4. Point, is it just 4.1? Are we still on 4.0? Um, so I, I do I I'm do not, think we I'm may not see some. I'm not current someone. on my yeah. versions. I'm Neither current. am I. Unfortunately, my development skills stop at HTML. Mm. Um, but uh, it would be it would certainly be a boon to developers for Apple to release some new developer tools, especially on the back of uh, Google releasing its new fancy pants Android development system. Um, just a you know a way to say hey developers we, we've given you this beautiful software in the form of Xcode and and now we're gonna spruce it up a little bit and make it a little easier to do certain things.
0: Daniel Frakes, what have you been hearing from developers?
3: The um, besides the the core data thing Dan mentioned, yeah, there yeah. Are just still complaints about the App Store and the app approval process. That's you know it's easy to say nothing's changed, but I mean when things have changed, but. From the developer standpoint, there's a lot of things that haven't changed and it's still frustrating for developers to um, to be submitting apps, getting them approved, having rejections for weird things. Um, so I think there's still a lot of frustration there. Uh, and then overall, just desires for new and better APIs for them to hook into for their apps. We mentioned Siri earlier. Um, better inter-app communication is a huge one that I've heard from from a lot of developers in terms of being able to take data in one app and use it in another. Currently, the way that iOS apps are sandboxed and the limitations of the APIs means that it's really difficult to get data from one app into another and then back to the original app without having multiple copies of this, of that document in multiple places. And so a lot of developers, especially those who work with data that's likely to be shared with other apps, text documents, photos, things like that, are really hoping that Apple starts to open up about this and make it easier to to get more done on an iPad or, a, or an iPhone. Uh, and I think there's pressure on Apple to do that now, too, because when, when the I, iOS first debuted, and especially just on the iPhone, people tended to not use multiple apps at a time. They tended to do one thing, stop what they're doing, go somewhere else, do something else. Uh, but people are really starting to use iPhones, and especially iPads, as you know portable computing devices where they need to do multiple things at once or in sequence. And so... I think there is some pressure on Apple to address that and make it easier to do that. Uh, I think there's also some resistance on Apple's behalf because they don't, they want everything to be simple. They want it to be um, straightforward so we never have to worry about where a document is. But as Dan mentioned with core data and iCloud syncing, even that's kind of a mess right now.
0: Well, whatever apple announces next week whether it's new hardware whether it's uh the changes that uh developers are craving to ios and os 10 whether tim cook shows off that watch that he that he should show off
3: you really want to watch uh, don't you <laughs> i yeah
0: sure why not it's a pocket watch that's 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 the apple twist didn't see that coming no it's <laughs> it's a, what's flavor, this in my it's,
3: it's a clock it goes on flavor, your wall fla- no it's a flavor flavor clock oh you wear it around
1: <laughs> your neck yeah that's good. Uh, I
0: like yeah that. That's great. Um, whatever Apple does, it won't do that. But we will be here next week to, uh, to report on it, to analyze it, and to talk about it in the Macworld podcast. It just uh, uh, remains for me to thank my panelists, uh, Dan Morin. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Dan Frakes.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: And my favorite Dan of all, Serenity Caldwell.
3: Thanks,
2: Phil.
0: <laughs> and thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you next week.